Hello and welcome to episode 45 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapter 10 from The Tower of Swallows. Alright, I have a lot to go over with this chapter. It's a really important one and it's a great one so I'm gonna go right into it and I'm gonna start with the recap like I normally do and the recap is not going to cover exactly what happened in the last episode. I'm going to go over the characters that we mostly follow in this chapter and where we left off with them. So I'm not going to go over every single character because there are a lot of characters in this chapter. So I'm just going to go over, I'm going to go over two and I'm going to, the one of them you'll see in a second, but the one of them I'm going to go over twice because we saw them in two different time periods. Like we left off with them in two different time periods. You'll get it in a second. So it's going to be Joanna or Kenna Celeborn. There's a lot of characters that I really don't know what I should be calling them because they go by more than one name. And this is one of them. Like, should it, should I call her Joanna or Kenna? But I don't know. I think Joanna is her official name and when she's part of this Hansa they call her Kenna so I'm just gonna call her by the official name and you're gonna know who I'm talking about either way so it's fine but that's who I'm talking about if you maybe think of her as Kenna I'm talking about her when I say Joanna and then I'm also gonna give you a recap on Siri um, from when we last saw her with Vaisagoda so more recent in as far as like the timeline goes and then I'm going to give you a recap on Siri when we last saw her, where she left off, where she left off on her story, in her story, uh, when she was with Boneheart. So I hope that clears up the confusion I unnecessarily created at the top here. But all right, here's the recap. We last saw the psionic Joanna back in chapter four, the chapter where we met her while she was being interrogate, interrogated in a Nilfgaardian trial. They were questioning her about her run-in with Siri and the Hansa she was recruited to be a part of by Stefan Skellen, or Taniel, <laughs> uh, to track Boneheart and Siri. Last time we saw Siri, she and Vaisagoda discussed the Tower of the Swallow and how it contains a portal that is supposed to come from the Tower of the Gull on Thaned, but should only be able to present itself to a chosen few. And we left off in Ciri's story about how she ended up in the Paraplet Marshes and um, when she was still with Boneheart. She was forced to fight men to the death in an arena which almost ended in her suicide. Okay, so now that we know where we left off with those characters, I think we're good to go into the summary. Like I said, there's a lot of characters that are very important in this chapter. I didn't give you the recap on them. I don't think that it's as necessary. So if you do feel like you wanted to recap, I apologize, but I think you'll have a good un understanding of where we're at here. And, and this goes for anybody that you know hasn't read the books in a while or maybe hasn't read them at all. So if you recently read them, then I'm sure you don't even need the recap. <laughs> all right, here we go with the summary of chapter 10. Joanna Selborn is recounting from her prison cell the events that took place among Stefan Skellen's Hansa on their search for Ciri and Boneheart. After they arrived in Claremont, they learned Boneheart had already taken Ciri and left the town, but not before beating her badly. They continued to track him until Joanna discovered using her psionic abilities that someone was following and spying on them, 
using magic to make themselves invisible. In a town called Unicorn, she advised Skellen that they give the spy the pancake method, where after sensing the spy's approximate location, they covered him in milk and flour and hit him over the head with a frying pan. Since the method was successful, the spy was revealed to be Ryan's. Ryan's, of course, had been spying on Vilgefortz's orders. No surprise there. Right before Skellen is to have Ryan's tortured for information, Boneheart shows up in the town with Siri. Siri is tied to a post in the courtyard while Skellen, Boneheart, and Ryan's talk inside. They discuss Siri, and Boneheart explains that he didn't kill her like Stefan paid him to because he learned who she is and realized he could make more money from her alive. While talking about Siri, a voice comes through a device around Ryan's neck. It turns out Vilgefortz has been listening to the conversation by a magic device called a Xenogloss. He joins the conversation and makes agreements with Boneheart and Skellen so that he can get Siri since he claims to only want her uterus. As they're working out deals, Joanna Selborn, while guarding Siri outside, decides to use her powers to look into Siri's mind and learn who she is. But Siri manages to force her out and somehow is given the ability to do magic again in this process. She uses this new, newly acquired magic to remotely harm some of Skellen's other soldiers, except for one, Nariton Seika, who happens to be an agent for Vatir Deverdo and helps free Siri. She starts to take off on Kelpie, but before she gets far, one of Skellen's soldiers sounds the alarm and Boneheart, Ryans, and Skellen come out into the courtyard and try to stop her escape. Skellen manages to delay her a bit when he throws an Orion at her and hits her in the face. And now we know how Siri got her scar. Luckily, this doesn't stop her and she manages to flee. Later, when a local peasant tells Vice to go to about some of Skellen's men holed up in a nearby village called Dundare, Siri decides to leave her hideout, search for the Tower of the Swallow, but not before she goes after the men. She arrives at the inn they've been staying in and kills them. Sadly, the chapter ends with Vice Agoda collapsing on the floor, unable to get back up, and praying to the gods he never believed in to protect the Witcher girl. So, rip Vice Agoda. I often get confused in chapters like these where the timeline and the character perspective keeps switching back and forth like it does in this one. But I actually really enjoyed getting to see Selborn and Ciri's different perspectives on the same event. I like how it was done. And it can, I guess, be a little bit confusing. It's not as confusing as some of the chapters that do this, but I think that it was pretty well written and I think it made the chapter more entertaining overall. Well. The chapter starts out, we're going to take it from the top, like usual. The chapter starts out while Joanna is in prison, and it's a year in the future from the events that took place in Unicorn. So I don't know how important these details are to the story, but she's imprisoned with a man and these two sisters, and the man tries to force himself on Joanna one night, obviously unaware that she's a psionic, and she quickly puts an end to it. And she forces him to bang his head against the floor, which rouses the guards who interfere. Then he inadvertently butts one of them, and as a result of that, receives five lashes. And then the sisters that she's imprisoned with 
Um, they sound like they're just as bad as him. They're actually threatening to force themselves on him, not even as revenge for Joanna. I think that's just how they are. There's actually a moment where Joanna thinks to herself that uh, she was almost she was certain that they were joking, well, almost certain. So Joanna doesn't seem to be a bad person. We kind of learn in this chapter that she got caught up with bad people, like kind of a wrong place at the wrong time situation. She didn't seem to know at first that Taniel was committing treason and that she was complicit. She eventually figured it out. And I don't know if it was too late that she'd already be liable for any of her participation or if she was driven by ambition because there's a few times that she got excited that she might become an officer. So you kind of feel bad for her that she's on trial, will possibly be executed and she's in prison with this group of hooligans. So while in her cell, she starts to ponder over what happened with Siri, and a lot of what we learn is in flashbacks from Joanna's point of view. And it does also switch to Siri's point of view, especially when we're brought to the present day when she's with Vaisagoda, of course. But a big chunk of the chapter is presented from Joanna's flashback. Her memories start out from when her Hansa visited Huvenigel. And probably butchering that pronunciation. I'm sure I've butchered the pronunciation of a handful of names already. I actually recently heard a different pronunciation of Vatier de Rideau, and I like it way better than how I've been saying it. It was Vatier, I got that right. Possibly, I don't know, maybe the other pronunciation wasn't right. I, who knows? Some people probably know, but I don't. <laughs> uh, but they were saying it, de Rideau. And I was like, that is such a better way to say it than de Rideau. I feel like I sound um, like I, I've never, uh, pronounced a person's name before. So, so since I don't know the exact way to pronounce some of these names, I'm going to say Huvenigel. <laughs> and um, he was the guy that was like friends with Boneheart, obviously not a good guy if he's friends with Boneheart. And he was the super rich person whose house um, Boneheart brought Siri to in Claremont. And um, so they go and visit him, the Hansa, Joanna and the Hansa. And he wouldn't even talk to them, so they didn't find much luck in figuring out where Boneheart went. But they somehow later learned that after the arena incident, Boneheart flogged Siri in the town square like in front of everybody and very badly. So this is obviously very disturbing to read about, not just because it's obviously disturbing content, but because this happened right after the horrors that she experienced in the arena and everything else Boneheart previously put her through. This man is just so detestable, pure evil. And I don't know how we can be surprised still by the, the things that we continue to learn that he does to Siri. It's just that terrible that you can't help but be surprised. Well, that's the only update we get on Siri and Boneheart between the last time we saw them and then when we catch up with them again later in this chapter. So we'll move on to this whole pancake treatment. And I really liked this detail, like that they called it the pancake treatment kind of made me hungry while I was reading it every time I went through and read the chapter because I freaking love pancakes. So um, <laughs> while Skellen's Hans is traveling, Joanna alerts Skellen that a spy has been following them. And during this conversation, the two have to put on an act as if 
she's requesting something from him and he's angrily refusing her um re refusing her request just in case the spy is nearby and listening since she can't always detect the spy so joanna actually notes that skellen would make a good actor as he plays this part really well way better than she does i thought that was kind of interesting she advises what they do to deal with this is they stop at the next village or town that they pass so they can complete the pancake treatment so they stop in Unicorn, and Skellen acts like he's about to go over very important uh, orders directly from the Emperor with the whole group, and Joanna is able to sense the spy nearby and then signals everyone to do their part, which included coating the spy in milk, flour, hitting him over the head with a frying pan, although I don't know what the frying pan, which is you know, something used to cook pancakes, is always used in this practice, but that's what they did. They were quite successful as this allowed them to make out exactly where he was and then they removed the invisibility hat from him and learned the spy was Bryant's, who Skellen of course was already familiar with and therefore immediately recognized. We know from chapter 3 that Bryant's was inquiring about Skellen's location from Vatier Dorito, <laughs> Dorito. I feel, I feel like a, like a phony if I mix it up now. Like I gotta stay true to how I've been mispronouncing it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just call him Vatier. So uh, he was actually willing to trade uh, Vatier Kahir's head for that information on where Skellen was. So as we already know, that didn't work out because of the whole Shiru Nightingale thing. They were not able to get here they were not able to kill him but i actually forgot about that detail from chapter three and i wasn't even thinking the whole time um that they knew there was a spy that it was ryan's like what before it was revealed that it was him i didn't even imagine that that's who it could have been and until after it was revealed then i had like a hindsight moment but yeah i was actually like I, I, I was thinking, like who could this possibly be? Because the moment where Ryan's and tell, or he does like a teleprojection thing where he meets um, Vatier in Nilfgaard, completely forgot about that. And this is what reminded me, of course. Um, also, we last heard about uh, Vatier in Chapter Eight when Carthia, it's another person that <laughs> goes by more than one name, Cantarella Carthia. We'll call her Carthia. Uh, she was delivering her spy report to Asire, and she said that Vatsir was recently reprimanded by Amir for not knowing where Skellen is. So he's lost track of Skellen, and he's probably not getting Kahir's head like he thought he was going to, unless things change in Vilgevort and someone else after him again. Hopefully not. But his uh, luck is really down as far as his profession goes. That might come up again later, might not. I just say I just want to make sure that we get that established. So back to the story. Skellens Hansa tie Ryan's to the table, and they're about to start torturing him by placing burning irons on his feet. Which sounds absolutely awful. Um, I don't feel bad though because it's Ryan's. But um, even though he's already telling them what he was sent there to do who he was sent there by you know, he says he's sent by Vilgefortz to try and get Boneheart before um, or to get to Boneheart before uh, Skellen and his little troop do 
But right before they start torturing him, Boneheart shows up with Siri. So they pause that for a moment. Skellen goes out to greet Boneheart, not warmly, since he hired Boneheart to kill Siri, and he obviously hasn't done that. And they decide they're going to go inside and talk. And at first, Boneheart brings Siri with him inside, and Ryans notices her and approaches her. Someone must have untied him from the table. And she remembers him, too, from Thaneb. She um, saw him there with the Scoia'tael, in case you forgot about that little detail of a while ago. And he threatens her, and Boneheart then threatens him, since he views Siri as being in his possession. But Ryans actually says something very interesting here. He says, when he's referring to Yennefer, this is what he says, he says, when I got my hands on her, I taught her pain. There was never a moment after Ryan's and Yen's first encounter, when she rescued Dandelion from him, uh, where he was able to inflict pain on her. Was he saying this to torment Siri, or is this true? If it's true, it would have had to have happened after the Sedna Abyss thing from the previous chapter, because this book, the timeline jumps, like I meant, I was mentioning earlier how the timeline can jump around in a chapter. It jumps around the whole book. So the thing that happened with Yennefer sailing to the Sedna Abyss, that took place already from where we are in the story, at least well, both parts, I was going to say, Siri leaving Vice and Goda's home, and even when Siri was still with Boneheart, like in this moment, in this part of the story, and like um, Joanna's flashback. So it is possible that something happened to Yennefer after the Sedna Abyss, but we haven't been told anything about that so far, but this is definitely making us think that she could still be alive. She's supposed to have died, but if she fell into Bryant's hands, and that means that she didn't die in this uh, catastrophic, sudden, unnatural weather event that took place at the end of the last chapter. But, I mean, if she fell into Bryant's hands, I don't think she's in a good position. And I do also consider that if she fell into his hands and he is here now, she might actually be dead because I'd be surprised if he let her live. Unfortunately, that's all the context that we get here, so we'll have to leave it at that for now. Just like we always do when it comes to Yen's fate. <laughs> that's how it that's really how it always goes though with her. It's like we get a tiny little update. She'll return in one chapter for the first time in a while, and then we see what's going on, and then it's it just leaves us on a cliffhanger, and then we wait a long time and Maybe we'll get little bits of information that we can do nothing but speculate with. And yeah, it's just a pattern with Yennefer, so no surprises. Well, Skellen wants to talk with um, Boneheart and Ryan's alone. So he orders one of his men to take Siri outside and guard her. And the three of them talk about Siri. First, in this discussion, Skellen wants an explanation from Boneheart as to why he didn't do what Skellen paid him to do and kill Siri. While I express my confusion for why Boneheart made the choices he did back when the story of him taking Siri started to unravel, back at the beginning of the book, Boneheart was hired by Skellen to kill Siri, but he didn't. He was also hired by a local baron to capture her and bring her to him, and he also didn't do that. 
So I was left wondering why he didn't do anything he was hired to do. Why did he take on these jobs, go after her, and then not actually complete any of the jobs? More so, I was curious, more so curious when he pointed out she learned the fighting style that she had, that she displayed in the arena in Care Morton. I was thinking, okay, he's saying Care Morton. I feel like that's the place that not a lot of people would be familiar with. Did he know about the whole Child of Destiny story with Geralt and then work out that she was that Sintrin princess from the story? Well, the answer to that is no. Basically, as he explains to Skellen, he simply figured out that if multiple people, especially someone as important as the Imperial coroner, are after her, she must be pretty important. Plus, he heard from when she robbed the Baron's daughter, and we were actually present for this scene in the last book. Siri told the Baron's daughter that she was beneath her. She was. She said something along the lines of like, um, you might as well be bowing down to me because she was beneath her. So that, and Boneheart got wind of that, he, that tipped him off that she must be pretty high ranking. Of course, this all made me curious as to why he'd make her fight in, in an arena and risk her dying if she was worth so much, but this actually gets answered almost as soon as the question comes up, and Boneheart said that if she got killed in the arena, then she wouldn't have been worth that much. So, answers. Yes. <laughs> but he did find out for sure that she was a Sintrin princess. At one point, this is how, at one point, he had a barber surgeon get set up to start extracting her teeth unless she told him, and so she did. And I guess they didn't extract her teeth. And he even tried, he says he tried multiple times to get her to tell him who she was by beating her, uh, but the threat of the barber surgeon's tools is what did the trick. It's just so sick. I'm like almost talking about it with this blase attitude, this blase tone, because it's just, I don't know, I think I'm becoming desensitized to this sadistic man, but. Well, uh, hopefully not because, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like this disturbing feeling that's created when you read about all the things that Boneheart does and said, but I also kind of, uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to feel nauseated every single time that we read about him because who knows how much longer he's going to be in this story. Well, anyway. Even though he realized how much Siri was worth, he decided to find Skellen to work things out since the situation he realized is very complicated. And I don't know, I just wanted to go through this whole thing thoroughly. This might have been super obvious to some readers, it wasn't to me, but just in case it also wasn't that obvious to you, I just wanted to make sure that that understanding of this whole thing was established before moving on because, yeah, I just... It had me very curious since chapter four. But in addition, in addition to getting Boneheart's motivation figured out, we also learn Skellen's reason for wanting Siri dead. And this was actually another thing I wasn't sure about in chapter four. I talked about how it was strange that Skellen's boss, the Emperor of Nilfgaard, sent him to bring him Siri alive, and instead he's hiring bounty hunters to kill her. I didn't really have any theories at the time, which I mean, for what his motivation could be, um, I didn't have any theories, and I think that that's fine since I never would have been able to guess what his reasoning was, which is, 
He's been working with these two princes who wanted Ciri dead since Amir wanted to marry her and not their daughters as they previously believed. So these two princes, two princes, um, <laughs> they um, wanted their daughters. Well, I mean, obviously they both couldn't have their daughters married to the emperor, but I think that they were both hoping that that would happen. And then that idea or that, that hope was completely done away with when he wanted to marry somebody else. So if Siri ended up dead, there was another chance he'd marry one of their daughters and then they could rise up to a much higher rank and change the system of government, which Skellen is in favor of very much. He says that they can change it to the system of government to a constitutional monarchy and eventually a democracy, which no one present takes seriously. They all laugh right in his face. I think that's probably a very foreign concept in these feudalistic societies, but uh, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad idea for them, but it's just, it was kind of entertaining to see that something that is, you know, very common or like a very common concept, a very long practiced thing in our world is seen as completely ridiculous to them. But anyway, we learn about this whole thing after Skellen is actually probed by Vilgefortz. So Vilgefortz is present for the first time since Thaned. Back in chapter four of Time of Contempt, two books back, about halfway through that book, we are almost done with this book. Uh, but he's not completely present, of course, since he's communicating through the Xenogloss, which is like communicating through a phone on speaker. But he's he's more present than he has been, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. He chimes in to express his desire for obtaining Siri, which is to extract her womb. A sick revelation, but not a surprising one, as we've known he's been interested in her, the elder blood, and was recently doing similar things to young pregnant women. However, he never says what his exact intentions are with her womb, but I'm sure it's nothing wholesome. I'm sure it has something to do with the elder blood and the Ithlane prophecy and her descendants uh, taking over the world. But I, I mean, I just don't know, like the nitty gritty, we're not told the nitty, the nitty gritty of what he's gonna do once he gets that, if he were to get it, I should say. So since she's basically, Siri is basically in Bonehart's possession at the moment and guarded by Skellen's soldiers, Vilgefortz has to make them both offers that they are very happy to accept in exchange for Siri. So the deal with Bonehart, is uh, Vilgefortz offers him a lot of money and the chance to watch him operate on Siri. He gladly takes him up on that. Again, sick. <laughs> and then Vilgefortz offers Skellen the guarantee of Vatir de Rido, Vatir de Rido, <laughs> Vatir's position. And he seals the deal by having Ryan's disclose a very important piece of information, very important at least to Skellen which is that Vatier planted a spy in Skellen's troop, which turned out to be the one called Neratin Seika. And I never actually went through the names of anybody in his little Hansa, except for Joanna Kenna Selborn, uh, because they're really not that important. Um, obviously, Neratin Seika is a little bit important, but Neratin Seika dies in this chapter, so it's not really that relevant to establish all of their names. 
but I thought because I'm going to talk about them a little bit more, um, I would make sure to get that name established. So anyway, from here, we rejoin Joanna guarding Siri, and Nariton approaches her about how he's a spy since she figured that out already by reading his thoughts. He tries to explain himself by saying Scallon is a traitor and everyone working with him will be executed. And all of this information definitely scares her. She wants to get to the bottom of this because this whole time she's been thinking that she's just doing a job. She didn't think that she was actually doing anything that would make her a traitor. And uh, she doesn't know what to believe or what to do. So she decides that she's gonna try to enter Siri's mind and get some answers there. And Siri could really feel what Joanna was doing. And she tried to force her out, which caused Joanna to kind of like get pushed back. I think Siri described it as saying that it looked like she was punched. And then she ended up with this very bloody nose and she couldn't move for a while. So whatever Joanna did to Siri here messed her up temporarily. And it also somehow gave Siri her magic powers back, which works out super well because she then uses it to disarm a couple of Skeleton's men. And she's actually about to do it to Nariton Seika, but he tells her he's on her side and he helps her cut her bonds and he gives her the knife to cut the collar that freaking Boneheart had around her neck all this time. And he goes and retrieves her horse. So one of Skellen's troops sees what's going on and sounds the alarm. And then Skellen, Boneheart, and Ryan's come out and then the scene gets pretty chaotic. Almost everyone is after Siri as she's taking off on Kelpie. There are two exceptions, of course, Nariton Seika, who uh, after he helps her, he runs his horse into Skellen and Boneheart. And then he even, um, after he's off of his horse, he grabs onto Boneheart even after he cut him open, which causes a delay that without it would have probably led to Siri becoming recaptured. Well, the other one who is not going after Siri is one of the members of the Hansa who goes by the name Jediah McKesser. So McKesser actually shoots one of Skellen's troops, this woman named Chloe. Uh, he shoots her with a, tr a crossbow as she's aiming a crossbow at Siri. And we actually learn in chapter eight, again, from a Siri, that Jediah McKesser was an agent that she planted in Skellen's Hansa. So Skellen actually had two spies he didn't know about. Uh, I don't know that it would be that easy to detect spies, like or double agents in your group. But uh, if there is a way to do that, he was not practicing it. I don't know if he was being too trustworthy or what, but he was fooled pretty bad. But this guy, McKesser, uh, in addition to Nariton Seika, um, gets killed. Skellen violently kills McKesser right after he proves that he's not on Skellen's side. I'm not gonna go over the details of how he kills him if you want to be reminded of that. And I just would read the book. I'm not gonna go through it. It was really disturbing. I know I said I like this chapter and then I'm also talking about how a lot of the a lot of the stuff is disturbing. <laughs> you can still like something that's disturbing. I mean people love horror stuff. Uh, I just want to make sure I don't sound like I'm contradicting myself. I did like I do like this chapter a lot but yeah there are definitely some parts that are hard to read. 
Well, before Siri gets away completely, Skellen throws an Orion at her, which is basically like a throwing star, and it hits her in the face. And now we have our answer on how Taniel disfigured her. Like she said, I think it was in chapter one, actually. It's chapter one or chapter two, I think it was chapter one. Either way, beginning of the book. We've known about this for a while. And we've got our answer, which is great. Luckily, he didn't hit her bad enough to kill her, clearly. But it did mess her up pretty bad. She now has this nasty scar that is so bad that she's frequently referred to as disfigured. And that's like the third party narrative calling her that too. Like that's not just like somebody looking at her and be like, oh, look at that disfigured girl. Like it's, I guess she would be objectively disfigured. So he did get her good, which sucks, but it's great that he didn't kill her, of course. And she gets away. She jumps over a gate on Kelpie, a gate that is so high, no horse should be able to clear. And then they pursue her, but they lose her tracks. And as we know, they're unable to locate her in the place that she ends up in, which is the Paraplot Marshes at Visigoda's home. You know, I kept thinking how much worse things would have gone for Siri if she did not manage to get away. It made this whole scene so much more suspenseful since the stakes were so high. Not only evading what Vilgefortz wanted to do with her, but how Boneheart would have treated her. He was terrible to her when she didn't even do anything to him. Imagine how he would have reacted if she tried to escape and then failed. I don't want to imagine it actually, but you know, even though we knew <laughs> beforehand that she escaped them, because she ended up at Visigoda's and she's been telling this story um, from the future. It's so well written that I still felt the suspense. It was definitely very intense reading uh, this whole scene, really hoping that she was going to make it out, even though we knew she did. And I guess we also could have maybe thought that um, she did not make it and then escaped at a different time and then had to suffer Boneheart's punishment for trying to get away and we would have had to have just read about more horrible things but you know I mean we pretty much knew that she was going to get away but yeah I was feeling a big time I think it was the chapter is just so well written I really loved it um okay there's a couple more parts of the chapter that I want to talk about before we get to the end so the next thing is the interaction between Siri and Bicegoda and this is the last time that we're seeing the old hermit. Not a spoiler, as I said in the summer, he dies at the end of the chapter after she already parted ways with him, which was probably gonna be for good anyway. Uh, when we first see them in the chapter together, Visigoda is getting back to the cottage after selling stuff to a peasant, and he sees Siri packing. She says she's been having dreams of things that she's unsure have happened or are yet to happen. And that at first she felt aggrieved that Yen and Geralt never came to help her, but now she thinks they're the ones who need help. So the dreams are still happening and she must have seen Yen in trouble and possibly even Geralt before he met the Druids, I guess, or perhaps even after uh, he's gotten into more trouble like since the druids we wouldn't know though because we haven't seen him since then and like she said she doesn't know if these things have yet to happen or are currently happening or happened in the past but she's pretty sure that they're real so she wants to travel to the tower of the swallow and hopefully teleport from there to thaned and rescue yen or Geralt or both of them 
And Vaisagoda tries to dissuade her from leaving because the peasant that he had just met shared news about some of Skellen's men holed up in a nearby village called Dundare. When he shares this news with Ciri, she wants to head out and kill them for revenge. And Vaisagoda tries very hard to convince her not to seek revenge. They even have this whole very long philosophical conversation about revenge and evil and destroying evil, but he does not manage to dissuade her and instead tells her how she can get to Dundare and then how she can get to the area where the Tower of the Swallow is said to be after she finishes her business in Dundare. Well, the last piece of the chapter we're going to discuss before wrap up is Ciri's visit to Dundare. We're first exposed to the tavern in this town a little bit before she arrives and witness Skellen's four men hanging out there. They are definitely pretty bad people, so their fate at the end of the chapter doesn't leave the reader feeling sad for them. I, I would hope. <laughs> uh, an old beggar enters the tavern and he's talking a lot about how it's Samhain, which is the last day of the year on the Elven calendar and supposed to be a very spooky day. And he almost kind of foretells Ciri's arrival, not deliberately, but he talks about a witch who brings death and rides a cat turned into a black mare. So right after he's talking about this, Ciri shows up and fights and kills all four of them. She even cuts one's hand off and it lands on the table. And I think we got our answer on whose hand Geralt saw in the vision in the cave of Avalok. Which is interesting, because if you recall in chapter 7, some beef I had was that Geralt was expecting to get answers on Ciri and expecting to be shown her by Avalok and then never got to see her before leaving to save his friends and never got any updates on her. Well, he still <laughs> didn't get to see her, but he did at the very least see a room while she was in it. Not what he would hope for, of course, but the vision, I guess, wasn't a total flop, I think is what I'm getting at. But I'm sure he didn't know if Siri was there, so I, I don't think this is good news. Just a little update on something that I was uh, not happy about. And when I say not happy, I'm not criticizing the writing. I'm just, it was just disappointing that Geralt didn't get to see Siri like he thought he was going to, and then it seemed like that wasn't something that was going to happen or he wasn't going to be given that opportunity again in the future. And, and I could be wrong about that because that was where we last left off with Geralt was right after that happened. All right. Closing thoughts. Uh, great chapter. Lots of suspense, lots of revelations, which you probably know by now that I love since the mysteries in the story seem to increase more than they get resolved. Uh, very happy to finally find out how Siri escaped Boneheart and how she got that scar from Tawny Owl. I know I mentioned it a few times, but we've been waiting on these answers throughout the whole book. And I guess that's not too bad considering some questions, some mysteries are brought to our attention in previous books and then not answered until like a book or two or three later. Uh, so it's not that bad, but this is a longer book. It's 11 chapters where most of them are seven. But anyway, there still has not been an explanation on the four days that Siri could not account for that um, Vaisagoda brought up a few times. So the four days from when she escaped Boneheart and then ended up in the Paraplet Marshes. So no explanation on that and no explanation on how she ended up by his home. But... 
I mean, she's not aware of how these things happened, obviously, so perhaps it will be left a mystery or explained in a future chapter. We'll have to see. And speaking of having to wait and see, looking ahead. I love this part. I love this new section. I love talking about what I am looking forward to finding out or looking forward to seeing or seeing some certain developments from characters or whatever. It's just um, nice. And we're wrapping up the episode with this section too. So it just feels like a, like a win <laughs> once I get here, I guess. Well, looking ahead to future chapters, Siri has now taken action. She's finally left Vicegotas and won't be returning. She's going to look for the Tower of the Swallow and try to teleport to Thaned and possibly set out to find Geralt and Yennefer. As we know, they're not near Thaned, but maybe Margarita will be there and can help her locate them and help her portal there. Although I don't even know if she can portal to Thaned since the Tower of Gulls exploded. She probably doesn't even know that actually. But I don't know, maybe the portal is still active there. Hmm, it's interesting. I don't know, I'm just trying to stay po um, positive about this stuff so that if she does make it to the Tower Swallows, something good comes out of it because she could use some good luck for once. Once in a very long time. Well, also, uh, don't forget that Boneheart, Skellen, and Ryans are certainly not going to give up their search for her. We've even heard that they're actively still hunting her, so we know for a fact they're not going to give up. Well, on her way to the tower, she could be in danger of running into them or anyone working for them. Hopefully she just gets there. She's got her magic capabilities returned to her, so if she does run into anybody, I'm hoping that that will be at her advantage, plus she's super proficient with a sword. But yeah, I just want her to get there and not run into anybody at all. And hopefully the tower and the portal appears for her because uh, there's a possibility that it won't. But I think if it'll appear for anyone, I'm sure Siri is the person that that would happen for. Although I don't know that it's going to portal to a place that she's trying to be. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Okay, that's all I have. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I will catch you in the next episode where we're covering the final chapter of The Tower of Swallows. Bye.